Hey everyone, and welcome to the third episode of the Tiny Missile Podcast. I'm your host, Eric De La Rosa. My guest today is Nina Freeman. Nina Freeman is a game developer who makes vignette games about her personal experiences. You may have heard of her game, How Do You Do It?, in which you play as a young girl trying to figure out how sex works by controlling two dolls before your mother gets a chance to come home. In this episode, she also mentions a game she was preparing to release called Freshman Year. That game is actually out now and available to play online. I would highly recommend playing through her games, as they are very simple yet they're pretty powerful games that can really stop you in your tracks and just make you feel things you didn't expect from the game. Now, before we get into the episode, though, I did want to give a big shout out to our sponsor for the month. Our sponsor this month is Cards Against Humanity, and they asked us not to read an ad. In our interview with Nina, uh, we talk about all her recent move to Portland um, for her new position at Fulbright, where she's helping develop uh, Fulbright's next game. Uh, The developers of Gone Home, if you don't know who they are. We talked about her education and how she first got into game development, how more women can be included in game development, and her vision for future games and projects. And so without further ado, here's our chat with Nina Freeman. I hope you enjoy. Cool. Well, thanks so much for taking some of your uh, Saturday morning for this, or Sunday morning now. Yeah. Um, Where are you at? Are you on the East Coast? No, I'm in Chicago. So oh, I'm right okay, cool. Good old Midwest Chicago. Cool. Um, how's the weather out there? Uh, it's super sunny and nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, okay. Kind of surprised because I know it's supposed to usually be gray here, but ever since we came, it's been gray. It's been sunny. <laughs> oh, oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm definitely okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty jealous right now because it's just like <laughs> gray and like kind of rainy here in Chicago. Yeah, so. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> Um, well, cool. Um, how, how long did you, how long has it been since you moved out there? I moved out to Portland, uh, at the beginning of February. Okay. And you were living in New York before that, correct? Or in the East Coast somewhere? Uh, yes. I was in New York City in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um, are you originally from New York or Brooklyn? Uh, no, I was there for like six years, but I grew up in Massachusetts in Ipswich near Boston. Okay. How was yeah. that? It was good. I mean, I, <laughs> I guess by the end of high school, I was sick of the suburban life. So I went to New York, but I like going back there. And actually Portland is way quieter, uh, than New York. And I'm actually like super happy about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got my like New York crazy city dose, uh, for a while. I think I, I like this quieter setting for now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's nice. Change of pace. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah. so you went, so you went to school in New York then like right after high school, you went out there for college, uh, to New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I went, yeah, I went straight from high school to this college called Pace or University, Pace University. Yeah. Um, and I went there for English, uh, in 2000, starting in 2008, um, right after I graduated high school. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. I and just in- never left New York. I just went, I went to undergrad and then went straight into grad school. So like, that's why I was there oh, for six okay, years. Okay. Yeah. So English that, that somehow led to video games. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'd always been into video games. I mean, this is what, like, every games person says, right? Like, I've always been playing video games. Um, yeah. But when I was an English major, I did poetry mostly. Um, I, like, started out trying to do theater and then, like, didn't like the theater scene, so I did writing instead because that's what I'd liked as well. Um, and I did poetry, was really, really into that for, like, almost all of undergrad. And then I graduated and... I just somehow fell into a group of people in the city that were, like, making video games. Or, like, I suddenly met a bunch of people who were making them. And I was... I had started at the time. I would started grad school for um, technology and science and literature. And I was writing a lot about video games. Oh, um, cool. So, because I just... I don't know. I was really interested in them. I had... I wanted to write about online games because I'd played an online game for, like, four years when I was younger. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, cool. I can, like, write about video games. I never realized that. Um, so I started to do that. And then I met all these game de- designers and developers. And I guess I saw them making games, specifically Emma Butler and Diego Garcia. I watched them make this iOS game called Heads Up Hot Dogs. And cool. I was like, whoa. I was like, what? I didn't know people could make video games. I just had had no idea. Like, I had never even thought about making video games, really. Yeah. Um, so when I saw them doing it, I was like, I can do that, too. Um, and it reminded me of poetry and that it was just, it would be like storytelling for me, which is what I always like to do. Um, so I just kind of threw myself into it, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. How yeah. did you, I mean, I would imagine at least that, like, up front, that challenge would be kind of like a steep learning curve just to start yeah. making video games. Mm-hmm. So how did you how did you got, kind of get past that? Was it just having that sort of community around you, or how did that work? Uh, I think, yeah, the community helped, and Emmett, who I mentioned, he helped me a lot, like, get my feet off the ground. Is that the phrase? Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't really... I had programmed when I was, like, a kid. Like, I had... <laughs> Yeah, when I was, like, I think I started programming when I was, like, 13 or something. But, like, oh, stupid wow. HTML websites, you know, like, in the late 90s or, like, yeah. early 2000s. So it wasn't, like, I wasn't writing C or anything. But um, I, I had a little idea of what of the basic concepts. And uh, I just started, like, hacking on stuff myself. And, like, I had Emmett as a resource when I had questions. So, like, that was pretty good. But also, like, so, like, yeah, having a community and people to ask questions to was really helpful. But... I was really, really sick at the time. I had, like, gotten recently recently diagnosed with this, like, illness. And no, so man. I really, I think, needed the challenge just to, like, not be super depressed. Yeah. Um, so I think all this kind of happened at the same time. I got really sick, and I, like, discovered that making games was a thing. So I kind of decided to, like, go down this new path, I guess, just, like, because I was super interested in it and loved games. But also I felt like I wanted a challenge because... The being sick was like really scary, and it felt like a good thing to kind of like sink all my time into. Yeah, that's um, crazy. So, so yeah. was that while you were still in school then? Yeah, I was kind of hopping around grad schools at first. So I mentioned I started in that tech and lit <clears throat> program, but I quickly realized that as much as I loved poetry, I didn't want to get like you know a master's in it. It was just yeah. like I loved writing poetry, but I just wanted to write. I didn't really want to like do more school for it because I was like I can write I can like go try to get published whatever um so I kind of stopped that and then that was around the time that I was like oh maybe I'll try making video games um 
And so I left literature and started grad school in computer science at Pace. Uh, but that's when I got sick. So I actually had to like leave grad school because of that. And then like a semester later, I was well enough to start grad school anew. Um, and at that point, I'd really gotten into making games and started at NYU for integrated digital media, um, which is where I did like get a master's kind of in game design, but not like formally. It was like a integrated digital media degree, but my thesis was like making a game and designing it and writing about it. Oh, cool. Um, so it was like that period of getting sick was like a weird transitional period. Um, not necessarily away from English and literature because I still like do poetry and like that's a big part of my process but I guess just like building on that like video games was the next natural part of that learning process yeah that's awesome um it's just kind of interesting to, to just hear like you coming from sort of like a poetry background I mean much much heavier in like storytelling and things like that so like some of your games now kind of make sense at least what I've you know seen yeah and it's not even really, like, I say storytelling, but the kind of, like, poetry obviously isn't always about storytelling. Like, there are poems that have no story and are just about the language of it. Yeah. So I think I carried over both storytelling, but also just care for details and language and things like that, and, like, structure. Yeah. Um, which are all things that are very, like, useful when you start doing game design. Yeah, <laughs> They're totally. useful to be thinking about. <laughs> so... Yeah, that's really interesting that you mentioned that. So the language, like like some poems are just about language and sort of just how you play with that. Yeah. And I guess, you know, it's all about sort of sound and rhythm. Right. And with a poem, I guess, obviously it's going to be different from a video game, but what do you, how do you correlate those two? Like what's, what are the building blocks of like games in, in your mind, at least when you're trying to build something or when you're thinking about an idea? You know, when you're building a poem, you might think about the the rhythm, you know, what kind of pace you want to take, all that kind of stuff. So what are things that you think about when you're trying to build a game? I mean, with games, you think about the rhythm and pace as well. And like, I mean, I think the process is largely the same, except for games have sometimes if you're doing digital games, sometimes they have the overhead of like, you come up with a cool design and then you have to like write the code to implement it. So there's sort of like a second layer and, you know, with poems, it's like you can write it on a notebook, but you do have to like, if you want lots of people to read it, maybe you want to go get it published or whatever. So there are lots of layers to each process, um, mm-hmm. albeit quite different. Um, but I think that a lot of the things I was thinking about with poems, like the pace, the pacing, and I, I was writing a lot of vignette style poetry. So like poetry inspired sort of by, I guess, poets like Frank O'Hara and the Beats and Elizabeth Bishop. They were writing not necessarily stories, but like little scenes. Like vignettes are basically short accounts um, or okay. like, you know, I, I often call them like little character studies or just tiny little descriptions of characters or scenes or whatnot. Okay. So like that process is very much about like just picking out the details that you want to highlight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, I guess like the process doesn't really differ much for me personally other than the fact that for a poem I just have to write it down and for a game I have to like make like I have to code (laughs) yeah (laughs) do lots of other stuff um but coming up with the basic concepts are it's like a pretty similar process for me um and I think that making the vignette writing vignette poems was a really good like I'm I'm glad that was what I was interested in poetry because it's been something that 
carried over very uh, in a really interesting way to games. Um, yeah. Which is kind of why like all of my almost all the games I've worked on have been little vignettes because that's what I'm really excited about. I just like details and like small ordinary experiences, and that's something that poetry taught me. And I haven't seen I hadn't seen much of that in games when I started, so I was excited to try it out. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, so that I mean I I sort of first heard about you. Um, I think I, I had first started kind of following you on Twitter and, and kind of seeing what you were posting, and that's when I think I saw when you released um, How Do You Do It? Yeah. And so did, did that come from, is, was that your thesis project, or did that come from no. school, or how did that, how did that come about? <laughs> uh, sorry, I laugh, um, because How Do You Do It was a game jam game, oh, which okay. was not related to school at all. Um, it was, the game jam was at NYU. I don't, was I even at NYU at the time? I don't remember. But it was made in three days by myself, Emmett Butler, Deki Koss, and Joni Kataka. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were all just like, those are friends of mine. So it wasn't like a school assignment or anything. We just decided to go to Global Game Jam. And like, actually, the timeline is sort of like the night before Emmett and I were at a bar and we were telling funny childhood stories. And one I always have in my back pocket is basically what How Do You Do It is about how I used to play sex with my dolls. Yeah. Um, and actually I had written, it's from a that scene, that little vignette is actually from a larger poem I wrote. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, this summer after I graduated, I wrote this really long poem and like put it on GitHub yeah. <laughs> when I was learning to code. I called the GitHub poems because it was like <laughs> how I taught myself version control, I guess, was writing that poem. Oh, that's and, cool. And um, that little vignette was a part of that larger poem. And so Emma and I were like talking about how funny it was. And the next day, or that night, I was also like, oh, that actually seems very much like it would fit into a game like that whole scene because it was very physical memory like you know playing with dolls itself is a game so it kind of made a lot of sense that uh one could make a game around that idea without much like it was just seemed like such a natural idea i was like i can't believe i haven't thought of this before kind of thing yeah um so the next day we were kind of like oh maybe we'll do it at the game jam and the theme happened to fit it quite well i think it was uh we don't see we don't see things as they are. We see them as we are. And oh, wow. so I was like, oh, that's like exactly what I was doing as a kid. I was projecting myself onto these dolls. Mm-hmm. Um, so we decided to do it at the Game Jam. And Decky was there in New York with us. So she came on right away. And Joni was someone we knew through a friend. Um, and she joined us as well. So, uh, yeah, that's how it kind of came about. Yeah. How did that... I mean, one, once that... I guess once the groundswell kind of happened for that game, I, I feel like I saw it everywhere yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> how did that, how did that kind of come about? What, what came out from that or, or how did you feel about that game before everybody kind of caught attention of it? Was it something that you really like put a lot of, I guess not marketing, but were you kind of really spreading out that, that game or were you working on something else and somehow somebody just kind of found this little gem? Uh, I don't, we didn't like, we didn't really do anything because it was since it was part of global game jam Mm -hmm. you know we made it in three days and at the end of the three days we put it online because why not it's like a game jam um and i think global game jam i think we were lucky that we did it at global game jam because it's like press and people really do pay attention to the games that come out of that jam for the most part. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky to get some like recognition at global game jam itself at our site. So people kind of saw it there and then, you know, we put it online and 
it just like the bubble effect. I don't know if people were tweeting about it who were at the NYU site and we tweet like I put it on my site and put out a link and it just kind of went from there. We didn't really do anything to be honest. I didn't even have time to think about how I felt about it blowing up because it kind of just did right away <laughs> without yeah. us doing literally anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's just part and parcel of it being part of Global Game Jam and lots of press outlets like looking at the games um, and the NYU site was huge. There was a ton of people, and I knew there was press people there, so that kind of helped. Um, but it wasn't something that we were going for at all. It just we wanted to put it online because it had, it was a fun thing we did in the weekend. We didn't have any like serious ideas about it, um, and we haven't even worked on it since. Like we've submitted it to festivals and stuff, but mm-hmm. we haven't you know gone out of our way to really market it or anything because it just is what it is. Um, yeah. We did put it up on Steam, yep. um, but. You know, that was more for fun than anything because <laughs> okay. it's a weird game to put up on Steam and it was an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just a little game jam game and we love it. Um, but it's just this little thing <laughs> for us and it's kind of crazy that it blew up so much, but I'm super proud of it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so I know, well, I know you're working now on a new game, but when I guess before we get to that game, because I do want to kind of learn more about that um, uh-huh. as I've read about it. Um, after making, like, How Do You Do It, we, when you were still in New York, you were working, um, I think I saw something about Code Liberation. Can you tell me more about that? Yeah. Um, uh, so, yeah, telling the story of how I got into games is complicated, and Code Liberation is part of it, and I didn't mention it because um, it's a long story. But,. When I first started getting into games, kind of like right after I mentioned I saw Emmett and Diego making their game, I ended up kind of just like being super interested in it, as I said, and like started going to all the events locally. Mm -hmm. And I even flew myself out to GDC before I'd really done anything and just because I wanted to like hang out. Um, Yeah. And I met a bunch of people there, including Phoenix Perry, who... Uh, a couple months, well, like, we met and we were talking about how there weren't, like, any women speaking at the uh, AI Summit at GDC that we had seen. We hadn't seen any women speaking. We were, like, pretty sad about that. Yeah. And, you know, I was talking to her. I was like, oh, like, I'm learning how to program, whatever. And she had been programming. She was, like, a professional programmer um, and a game designer. Yeah. So she was in New York, so she was like, oh, we should totally hang out, whatever. And we ended up meeting up, like, a month or two later, and she invited myself and a bunch of other New York, uh, based women games programmer types. Uh, it was like me, Kat Small, Jane Friedhoff, um, and May Chen. I might be, did I say Kat Small? Kat Small as well. Yes. Um, and the group of us basically just started, we like met up that night, had pizza and we're like, we all can code. Like I was actually like, I was fairly proficient at programming by this point. Um, we were like, we can all code. But we don't have many other women friends in the game scene that are doing programming. There just aren't many women at all. So we were like, Phoenix kind of pitched to us her idea that we could, like, as as lady programmers, we could just go teach more women, and that would be how we could get more women into games. Yeah. Um, And that's something that we were all interested in doing. So we ended up being like, yeah, that's a really good idea. And we just started right away. Uh, teaching free classes um, that were women uh, exclusive um, just out of NYU. Uh, Phoenix was teaching at NYU, so like she kind of talked to them and got us a free space. Um, and we just started teaching classes um, for free to women who wanted to learn how to program. So that's kind of 
what we did. And that actually made me a much better programmer. Uh, having to teach programming is like a huge challenge and will make you a better programmer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of, we were doing that. Um, and they're still doing it in New York, lots of events all the time. Um, I've been sort of on a break just with moving and starting a new job and whatnot. But yeah, uh, I did like the high school program in New York. Now Cat Small's doing that where we teach some high schooler uh, girls how to program for games. Um, oh, that's awesome. So it's just like, it was just, us trying to like get more women involved in the scene and we're all programmers. So we figured that the best way for us to do that was through teaching code. Um, and that's still going strong. So I'm pretty proud of that, uh, that group. That's great. That's incredible. Um, so how did that, how did that kind of start off? Was it, did you guys have a, a, a large interest from people or, or women around New York that wanted to come and learn or was it sort of a, an uphill battle to, to get people to come out and, and kind of participate? <laughs> uh, we didn't really know what would happen at first. We just kind of relied on our like social media and like word of mouth to get people to come to our first class, which was kind of intimidating probably to a lot of people because it was an intro to C++ game programming. Yeah. And uh, we decided to have it be like a long running class that took place over the summer. And that's how we kind of announced it and everything. We didn't know what people would think. Uh, so we just put the word out and actually like 60 women showed up for the first class. It was actually kind of insane. Wow. Yeah. Um, and our class, the code lib classes are notoriously well attended. Um, there's lots of women that want to learn how to code. Um, and a lot of them just, I don't know, they're, they're wanting to do it. So they come out for our classes and I think that the barrier to entry is really low. So you get lots of women who wouldn't otherwise be doing it cause it's free and, I think we're pretty welcoming people. <laughs> yeah. So, and we, we do our best to like make a really welcoming, inclusive environment there. So I think that helps a lot with attracting lots of, um, lots of women to our classes. Uh, I think they, they like it. So they're, they're very well attended. There's lots of interest there. That's awesome. That's yeah. so good to hear. Like, I don't know, for me, it's just something that like, you know, it's always sort of a debate, like, you know, how do we get more women involved or minorities and, you know, there isn't enough education around them or, or, you know, are we not getting them interested in it or are we just not giving them the resources? And that's always like kind of the big question. So I, I thought it was really interesting to me that you're, at least that you were a part of kind of creating this school to give people the opportunity to just learn that and, and be in a comfortable space. Like you're saying, I think that's one of the biggest things is sometimes learning how to code itself is going to be pretty overwhelming. Mm-hmm. But just knowing that you're in kind of an, a nice, safe you know, sort of very supportive community, I think really helps it out. Yeah. I mean, ultimately people talk about trying to get women into computer science all the time, but they don't do anything about it. Yeah. They just talk about it. So we were like, we don't want to just talk about it. Like it's easy. You just, you directly reach out to women and Mm -hmm. tell them, here's a free thing. We're going to help you learn how to code. Yeah. All you have to do is show up and then people show up and they do it. That's it. Yeah. That's like pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah. I always just think about that kind of stuff. I mean, looking at your game, like, how do you do it? It just seems that game, like you're saying, it's just such a simple, like ordinary experience that you had as a kid. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there has to be other people out there that go through the exact same thing. So it just becomes such a universal, I don't know, like little life vignette that that they kind of can get to share with you and get to kind of see themselves represented you know through a video game basically 
But um, I get... Yeah, I think so. A lot of people have told me that they related to it. I don't think I, like... I didn't really mean for that at first. I usually... My mindset is, like, I just have all these weird things from, like, my childhood and my life that I want to express. Yeah. And I'm not really, like... I don't know. You just never know how people are going to react, really. So it was really nice to see that I wasn't alone in doing that. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of people have told me that they've done it since, which is really interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So then, so after leaving NYU, then, you made your uh, move over to Portland then? Yeah. Okay, cool. So how did that, how did that come about? How did you get your job at uh, Fulbright? Um, how did I get it? I guess I just... I don't know. I had met the Steve and Carla and the Fulbright people at GDC a couple of years ago, and we kind of connected about games and are interested in a lot of similar things, um, just with like you know more narrative focused games. Um, so I think it was a pretty, uh, it was kind of a natural move uh, for me to try mm-hmm. and you know because it's like it's I think it's pretty rare to like. There's not very many studios that I know of that are doing more narrative stuff. Um, so I was super interested in joining them. And we talked, and then, you know, it was like, okay, when you graduate, let's let's try this thing. So now I'm out here, um, which is super nice. Uh, I feel really lucky because I think it's pretty hard to get a job in games. So yeah. I feel super, super lucky to have had the chance. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's really wonderful so far. So, um Cool. So you guys, you, you started working for them after Gone Home came out, right? Because it was just recently. Oh yeah, I had like Gone Home had been out already. I think probably for a little while when I first met them. um, Before like we had started talking about me working with them at all, Um, and I kind of met. I think I met I met Carla just through some friends at GDC, and then I met Steve at. uh, I was showing how do you do it in Lady like at this little like party thing. Um, at GDC, and we kind of chatted about... He, he was, like, into Ladylike and How Do You Do It, so that was kind of exciting, and we kind of kept in touch after that, because um, I was like, oh, I really love Gone Home. Like, at the time, I was starting to work on my current project, Sybil, which is has some Gone Home inspiration, so we were chatting about that, and I was like, I'd love to tell you more about this game I'm working on, get your yeah. opinion, blah, blah, blah. So we kind of ended up keeping in touch through that, um, and... Uh, yeah. Cool. I don't even remember what the question was anymore. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. No, that all makes sense. Um, so you were so you were working on Sybil before you um started working with Fulbright then. Oh yeah. Yes. Oh okay. And that my, Sybil was my master's thesis game. Oh project. okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Now is that a part of um? Because you're working on that with a team as well, right? Or is it all just kind yeah. of one big solo thing? Is that a part of Star Made Games? Uh, yeah, Star Made Games is our name for, like, it's it's myself. Um, I started it sort of myself as a prototype in Bennett Foddy's prototyping class at NYU. Um, okay. Like, how long ago? A year ago or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of did this prototype myself, and uh, I liked it, and Bennett liked it, and... I don't know. It just hit it off really well with my classmates. And so I was like, oh, I've always wanted to make this game. And it seems like my prototype is working. So maybe I'll just do it. Um, And I reached out to 
uh, a lot of the people that I'd worked with before. Um, so Emmett Butler, who also worked on How Do You Do It, Decky Koss, also from How Do You Do It. Mm-hmm. Um, my friend Rebecca Dunlap, who's an illustrator, um, to do the art, and uh, my my old roommate Samantha Corey, who was a film person because um, it was some short film. Um, and I ended up finding a voice actor as well. Um, but I guess the core star made games is like myself, Decky, Rebecca and Emmett. Um, and that's sort of like our team name for the project um, and what we'll be releasing it under. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's a pretty big team. Um, and it kind of started out as the solo prototype and I, I, I don't, I'm not one to make games alone. I like making them on teams. So yeah. I, went out of my way to try and find a really good team. And I did. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. um, so tell me a little bit more about Sybil. Is it, I know you showed this at GDC, correct? NPAX or was it at? Uh, I didn't formally show it at GDC. I didn't show it at PAX. Um, I took it to GDC and kind of showed it to some press people and to friends. I wasn't like showing it as part of anything. Okay. Really. But if people came up to me and wanted to see it, I was like, yeah. Um, so basically I, yeah, I kind of brought it just so I could like, cause you know, GDC is one of the only times where like all the press is all around at once. And I was really excited to kind of share civil with them for the first time. Um, yeah. cause you know, it's been, it's been, uh, in, in progress for a while now. So it was kind of fun to show it off. That's awesome. So what's yeah. the story behind Sybil? What's the concept of, uh, of the game? Uh, so the game, Sybil is about a girl who is in a relationship with a guy in an online game. Um, and the game is about how they, uh, become close and want and try to meet up to have sex in real life. Um, and it's all like, as many of the games I've worked on, on are, it's like a vignette, an autobiographical vignette, um, of this experience that I had when I was around like 18 or 19. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all about like online games and online relationships and sex and the internet and stuff like that. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. It seems like I just, uh, like uh, to me, all the, all the games that you're sort of creating are really interesting because I mean, I'm more of the mindset of the, you know, sort of like underrepresented voices, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. So anytime I see something made, you know, for me, for example, like my parents came from Mexico. So for me, it's very easy to relate to like these smaller little vignettes or stories that we might have from our childhood that doesn't really make sense to the larger, you know, population sometimes. Uh Uh-huh whether that's like food or an experience or a language. Um, mm-hmm. So to me, it's just very easy for me to just kind of see these games and, and kind of just see the beauty behind them. Um, but what what sort of, what's been your experience as far as like putting these games out um, and just kind of seeing both, you know, your local sort of network and friends and, and programmers play the games versus, you know, people, let's say like on through Steam, which is like a bigger, obviously, what platform to distribute the game. Um mm-hmm. What have you kind of seen audiences that are in those games kind of see, what do, you, what do you think they expect as games are coming out in the future? Do you think that they're sort of looking for that type of game, that type of narrative experience? Or, you know, what what's kind of your, your take on it? Uh, so I guess the good example is how do you do it? Um, so when, how do you do it first got lots of press coverage, like right when we released it after 
um, Global Game Jam, mm-hmm. uh, I kind of immediately was struck by how like shocked everyone was by the game. <laughs> yeah, like people were kind of like, "Whoa, I can't believe like it's about a little girl thinking about sex." Oh my god! And like some people were scandalized, and some just thought it was hilarious. I think like when I'm showing it. Most people kind of have that, like, oh, this is a hilarious reaction, or like, oh, I did this when I was a kid. And they're yeah. like, they have a generally positive reaction, but then there's always some people who are scandalized. I know, like, at IndieCade in particular, I was showing it. And when you show games as part of IndieCade, we were uh, nominated, which was really awesome. Um, yeah. You show in the firehouse, and it's open to the public. So there was just, like, lots of people coming in um, that just, like, weren't necessarily, like, up on who was nominated for IndieCade Awards. You know, they're just, like, regular people, like, kind of walking by on a on a nice day. Yeah. And, you know, I had people, like, come in that didn't have IndieCade badges and were, like... Because usually the people who are coming to a, an event like IndieCade kind of know, like, what's the, to expect, that kind of thing. Yeah. Some, like, just a, a weird game, I guess. Um, and people... I could tell, like, people who weren't ready for that, like, would play the game, and, like, a lot of them, not all of them, some of them really enjoyed it, but some of them would kind of play the game for, like, five seconds, and as soon as they saw, like, the image of the little girl holding the two naked dolls would just kind of, like, look at the game and just, like, walk away without saying anything to me. Oh, wow. (laughs) Like, that actually happened quite a few times. Um, So, you know, I think that a lot of people are super into a game that is so personal and honest, but a lot of people aren't ready for that. And I'd say that, you know, releasing it on steam just further, um, emphasize that reality. Mm -hmm. Cause if you look at like, I mean, the steam reviews are actually, I think overwhelmingly positive last time I checked, which was really encouraging, but you know, there's also always the people that are like, Oh, like this is so messed up. Like, People saying it's pornographic, which I don't, I don't know how they, <laughs> I just, I don't know. It's like the least, yeah. it's like naked dolls. <laughs> I don't know. But you know, people have different standards and expectations and everything. So there are some people that are like so extremely upset by it that they think it's pornographic and upsetting and, and other people that absolutely love it. Um, and I think that for the people who are made uncomfortable by it, it really is just, it just, you know talking about sex is generally taboo in at least in America. Um, so I think that that taboo causes a lot of anxiety around when people share personal stories about sex, you know, um, especially when it's not sort of in the safe context of like an action movie or like a big budget thing where like the sex scene is kind of censored and it's like fake feeling. They're not used to things that feel really honest and true and, um, you know, just like a real human experience rather than a Hollywood image of what sex is. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think that that is why there's some anxiety uh, around how do you do it from people that are, you know, we're all kind of, if you, if you grew up in America, you have experienced this taboo at some point, I'm sure. I mean, that's why this game is about me like only doing this doll sex thing when my mom is out of the store, you know, and she comes back and she like, if you get caught, she's like, Oh my God, no, you know, it's about right. like in part, it's about <laughs> that anxiety. So it's kind of interesting to see like the game that kind of evokes that anxiety in it also evokes that anxiety outside of it in some players. 
Um, but it gives me hope that most of the people I interact with are super into it because <laughs> it means that people are maybe more ready for that in games than they've ever been. Um, so that's kind of nice, but yeah, sex being a taboo definitely doesn't help. Um, yeah. <laughs> so all that said, I think just... that people are, you know, cause your original question was like, are people interested in these kinds of personal stories and everything? And I think they are. Um, but I think when it's mm-hmm. a, like, when it feels so honest and raw, uh, it can make people feel uncomfortable, not only when it's about sex, because sex is a taboo, but also when it's just about anything considered like private sphere, considered personal. Um, yeah. Because not only is sex a taboo, but like being really open about your personal life is also something that people are generally uncomfortable with, you know? Um, so right. I think that it, it, can scare them a little bit when they see it in a game or when they see someone else being super honest. Um, but you know, I think that you see lots of movies and books and other forms of media already engaging in this kind of personal stuff. I mean, I do it because I came from poetry and it's completely, it's like a huge, you know, personal vignette poetry is a big thing. And like, that's what I studied in school. So, you know, it's there it's just not been done very often in games and it certainly has been done. It's just not as widely known or accepted yet. Um, so I think that with more accessible platforms like twine and whatnot, you're seeing people make lots of different games without much of a barrier to entry. So like they can take more risks. Um, and often these honest personal stories can be risky to make, especially if it's like your first one, it can be scary. Um, but I think you're seeing more and more people, um, do these kinds of things. So I think just with more people doing it, more people will become interested. So it's a positive, it's a positive, uh, growth, positive stuff is happening for sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think, I think games in general, I mean, are, are just in such an interesting place. I mean, you have it sort of splitting in two ways. I feel like, I feel like, like one way is the route that you're sort of taking and, and a lot of indie devs are sort of taking where, they are going a little bit more personal, more narrative, more character uh-huh. focused. And then I see the other route is, you know, giant like tournaments based around games like League of Legends or Dota, where they're almost like a huge spectacle as well. Um, so it's just sort sort of interesting seeing those two sides of it. Do you see? I, I always sort of compare it to movies in a lot of ways, where I feel like the bigger and bigger like blockbuster movies are aren't really as big anymore as they used to be because now we do have things like Netflix and all these different platforms where people can watch smaller films, you know, at their own leisure um, and, and kind of just have those experiences at home as opposed to say going to a big blockbuster movie. Um, Do you see, how do you sort of see the future of games uh, sort of, I guess, coexisting? Do you see it as, you know, one big sort of spectacle versus like the smaller indie games or or how do you kind of see them evolving? Um, I think it's less about like a split off in that way. And like, you know, between like sort of narrative versus these big, um, more like I guess it sounds kind of like you're talking about esports. Um, and I think that it's less branching off just in that way. And I think games are more generally diversifying in their form because, you know, you have like esports becoming a big thing. You have more people making tiny personal vignette games, but you also have like a local multiplayer movement happening. And like, yeah, you have lots of indie studios doing like weird mobile stuff, you know, like mobile narrative games, mobile, um, 
more like you know like threes you know these these games that mm-hmm. are hugely hugely accessible to a bazillion people on iphone um so I think you see games going off in all sorts of directions and I I think that you know that I don't know much about film but it does sound like you're making a good analogy there with like stuff like Netflix and more accessible platforms happening because that's definitely happening happening with games too. I mean Steve Steve I can't believe I just said Steve. <laughs> Steam Steam plays into that up and hang out with Steve too much. Um Steam plays into that for games and like you know Consoles are going through a lot of effort to put indie games on their platforms. I think just, like, in general, people are recognizing that games aren't just, like, the AAA games, that there are, like, lots of different things, whether it's, like, super tiny indie or something in between where it's, like, a mid-sized studio. You just see a lot of yeah. different different kinds of people making games, different companies making games, different size groups of people making games together. Um, so I think it's just, like, a general diversification and I think that we won't really be able to see necessarily the specific um, you know binding groups that are coming out of this you know like kind of like the genres I guess like I mentioned local multiplayer I think we do see that already happening but I think in retrospect we'll be able to see what different kinds of genres of games are growing out of this kind of crazy period I think it's definitely happening but I think it's probably Mm -hmm. more than you would expect um so I think it'll be interesting to kind of look back on this time to see what kinds of games were coming out um, and what, like, the sort of common threads were. Um, but it's definitely really exciting, and it has, you know, the diversification has both to do with more distribution but also more, like, game-making platforms, like I mentioned before. Um, just, like, I always mention Twine because I love Twine, but, like, Unity being free, that's, like, a huge factor. Um, and, like, stuff like yeah. Game Maker. So you just see more people able to make games and that just causes all this other change to happen, you know? Like, with more people making games, there has to be more distribution. There has to be more kinds of games because everyone wants to make something different. Do you, when when you're sort of building your games and you're thinking about that story and you're thinking about that experience, um, I guess it, they just seem like such personal little stories. Do you think about, or or how do you kind of, think about that story and that progression with your team um, being that they may not have that same exact experience um, since they seem sort of like autobiographical in a sense. Um, how's that sort of play along with, with taking that and working with the team? Is that sort of like a, a tricky thing here and there or is that kind of work relatively smoothly with the team that you're working with? Um, I don't think I've, yeah, I mean the games that I work on are often um, or that I work on sort of on my own are often autobiographical. I mean, I can only think of a couple that I've done on my own time that haven't been autobiographical. Okay. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, these, I've had sort of, uh, you know, Decky and Emmett have been working with me on a lot of these pretty consistently. And Joni has worked with us on a couple. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I always just kind of pitch the idea to them and I don't know, people just come on board. I think people are interested whether they, you know, have had that exact experience or not. I think that my friends and, you know, other, even just like players like are interested in people telling those kinds of stories. And I think that specifically the people, you know, like Joni, Decky and Emmett, who often work with me on these games are really enthusiastic about different kinds of stories being told in games. So I think that they're just like, 
they know that that's what I'm trying to do too. So they're totally on board. Um, and they have their own projects as well where they're kind of doing their own thing. Um, so I think we're all just sort of in it like for obviously our own different reasons, but also just to help like tell these new kinds of stories and games. Okay. Um, so I think that they're always really excited about doing that, which is why I kind of keep coming back to them to work with me on more games. Cause they're really good about like working with me to think about them. And like, um, I don't know. They're just always really positive about it. And I like that. Um, and they make really cool stuff on their own as well. So everyone should check Decky. Decky costs is a Patreon. She makes like game making tools and cool stuff. And Joni, is working on even the ocean right now with Sean Hogan. That game's going to oh, be cool. awesome. Yeah. And, um, and it's working with me on Sybil. Decky is also working on Sybil. So yeah, you know, we all, we all have lots of stuff going on and they're really enthusiastic about these small, weird games. So, um, yeah. So I just keep, you know, working with them cause they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that sounds like a good enough reason I would say. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's, uh, what's on the horizon for you as far as, I know you're working on Sybil, of course, um, but what are you sort of working on at the moment um, with Fulbright, and mm-hmm. when can we expect some news, or, or you know, if you have any announcement for your future um, releases? Yeah, uh, so I guess with Fulbright, um, I'm working on Tacoma, um, which is their current game. Um, I think, I, I don't know, did you see the release trailer that came out? Or? Yeah, I saw the trailer when they announced it, yeah. Yeah, so that's um, that's sort of what is out there about the game. It's uh, If you want to watch the trailer, it's at Tacoma-game.com. Um, um, and the trailer is really awesome, so you should watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm working on that as a level designer, um, so that's really exciting. Um, and then... Uh, as far as Sybil goes, um, we're definitely sort of in the heat of development with Sybil. And obviously that Polygon article kind of came out after GDC after I was showing it there. So that was really exciting. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we're hoping to release, you know, not too long from now. I'm not going to give an exact date because that's really dangerous. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but definitely not too far in the future. Um, surely less than a year away, probably a lot less. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, I hope to have more news about that soon. We did release like a little teaser trailer a month or two ago at sybilgame.com. Yeah. Um, so people can check that out. And there's a mailing list on the sybilgame.com site, um, where, you know, we don't send any emails, but we will send emails when we announce release dates. So <laughs> if you awesome. really want to know, get on that mailing list cause we're going to send it there first. Awesome. Um, I'm sure. And, uh, but as far as like uh, other release stuff goes, I actually am probably within the next week or two releasing a little tiny vignette game that I've been working on. Oh, um, cool! Just for free on my site, another little tiny flash game. Exciting. <laughs> as I like to do. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. Um, so I should be tweeting out some news about that within the next week or two, and just kind of dropping it out there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little thing. I've been working on it with a couple people um, for a few months now. Very so cool. I'm really excited about that. I don't want to say anything about it because I don't want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But look out for that. <laughs> uh, I definitely, I still like, you know, one of my big things is obviously making these tiny vignette games. And oftentimes my ideas are uh, 
small enough to be done at game jams or just on my own time mm-hmm. um, within a short time span. So I'm still going to be doing a lot of those tiny vignette games. Obviously, this one is going to be coming out really soon, um, and I'm going to be doing more because, uh, you know, Sybil is a long-term big project. Tacoma is a long-term big project. Sometimes you got to refresh your mind with a tiny game or two. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to keep doing that. Uh, so I'm excited to put this tiny one out because I'm really proud of it. Awesome. I can't yeah. wait to play it. Can't wait to check it out. Yay. <laughs> um, well, cool. Thanks so much for, uh, again, for taking your time today on yeah, this, this on what sounds like a really nice uh, sunny day where you're at <laughs> i'm sitting i have like a huge window like, oh, oh wow, my god okay. <laughs> after not having really windows living in brooklyn yeah we made sure to get an apartment with a huge window so i'm <laughs> sitting next to my huge window looking outside at the trees well that sounds great <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right well thanks again so much for hopping on um hopefully uh, you enjoy the rest of your day and awesome good luck with all the future projects thanks you too all i'll right. talk to you later cool see ya bye Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Tiny Missile Podcast featuring Nina Freeman. As always, if you'd like to find out more about new episodes, you can subscribe in iTunes now. So if you are a subscriber, please let us know what you think about the show by leaving a review. Um, Reviews are really the best way for us to find new audiences in iTunes. So every review that we get is very appreciated. We definitely appreciate everybody's support. To follow up on all the latest news, just follow us on Twitter at Tiny Missile. Um, if you want to see kind of what events we have coming up, you can always visit us online at tinymissile.com. Um, and just to see kind of any other announcements or reservations that we might make through Facebook, you can also check out our Facebook page, Tiny Missile. Once again, thanks so much for listening. Really appreciate everybody's support, anybody who's listening or spreading the word. I uh, just want to let you know that everything's really appreciated from us. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.